0: Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Stockwell service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Oh, it is so lovely to be here. Honestly, genuinely, I am always mean that. I, My name is Jo, um, as Jack said, and I'm normally part of our central service. So it genuinely is a treat when I get to come here and be um, here with you and see one another. I only wish I could stay around till the end, but the way that we work is we kind of head off to go and speak at the central service. So I'm not, I always feel rude, but I'm not being rude. I'm leaving in all love <laughs> to head over there. Um, but If you have joined us for the first time this morning, we have spent the last few Sundays delving into these seven statements that Jesus made about himself. They're known as the I Am statements. And you can find out more about these and the previous talks that we've had on our website um, that we've listened to over the last few weeks. And today we are looking at the final statement that Jesus made about himself. These powerful statements that actually provoke within us a response. Um, and the last one, that Jesus says is found in John chapter 15 and he says this, I am the true vine. So we are going to delve straight in uh, to John chapter 15. We're going to read it uh, verses 1 to 17 so it's quite long so let's stay with it Um, and then we'll just explore this a little bit together. This is what Jesus says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends." You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business, but instead I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Oh, this is a full passage. Um, I mean, there's no way we can actually do justice to everything that is contained in this passage, like in the time that we have together this morning. But if there was things within this that provoked response or questions or like wonderings or whatever it may be, don't let those go. Like grab someone, ask questions, ask someone to pray with you, go for coffee with someone. We're meant to wrestle and work this out together. Um, But for today, we are going to have just a a kind of overview, a quick look, at maybe not a quick look. (laughs) I'd like to invite the band back. Not this quick. Um, But we're going to just delve into some parts of this where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Why is it important that Jesus is telling us that he is the true vine? because he paints a picture of what life is like around this vine, where he is the true vine. Well, this statement, as with all the other I am statements that Jesus made, is loaded with history. It's loaded with the purposes and an understanding of the kingdom of God. So this wasn't a new metaphor that Jesus introduced when he talked about the vine and the branches. He wasn't just simply walking past a vineyard and thought, oh yeah, and this is what I am like also. Here's a vine. Actually, in the New Testament, we find Israel, God's people, described as a vineyard. This is one of the images that Jesus was building on. This nation of God, Israel that was started with this childless old couple, Abraham and Sarah, whose story is found in Genesis. One day God said to them, you are going to have a son. And then it is recorded that he says, and from this son, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and you will be a blessing. All people on earth will be blessed through you. This is a promise. This is the vision of God excuse me, of God for his people, a people in such deep covenantal friendship with him that they would be blessed. And in this, others would be blessed around them. They would be like a flourishing, fruitful vineyard for the earth. This was God's intent for his people. And so the Israelites that would have heard this, they would have known this, but the original Israelites, as we can read in the Old Testament, they actually um, over and over again abandoned God in so many ways until we um, read in Isaiah 55 this like, actually really sad passage about how God describes his people and what has happened to them. And Isaiah is talking about God here, and he says, "'My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. "'He dug it all around, he removed its stones, "'and he planted it with the choicest vine. "'He expected it to produce good grapes, "'but it produced only worthless ones. "'What more was there to do for my vineyard "'that I have not done in it? "'Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, "'did it produce worthless ones?' So now let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'll remove its hedge. It'll be consumed. I'll break down its wall. It'll become trampled ground. I'll lay it waste. It won't be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. What more was there to do for my vineyard, asks God. What a sad question that God asks. What more could I have done for my vineyard? And yet still Israel turned away from God's ways. And so he let them. He let them go their own way, but he did not give up on his original intent, his original promise, his pursuit of love for a people who would be in this covenant with him and that would be blessed and through that would be a blessing to the nations. And so, Hundreds of years after this passage is recorded in Isaiah, and in human terms, a descendant of this line of Abraham, but fully God, Jesus arrives on earth. Jesus arrives as a living embodiment of this original covenant. And he says, I am the true vine. I am the perfect fulfillment of that covenant and promise. I am one with the Father and I have come as this life-giving, sustaining source of love for you to live in. No longer does blessing come through being connected to Israel. It's through me. I am the true source of life and light for the people of God. Jesus goes on to make two really helpful statements, actually, (laughs) in case we might get confused. He says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener, and you are the branches. He makes it clear where we fit, who we all are, and the part that we play in this promise. So let's just consider these two parts to this image that Jesus has given us. The father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser, the land worker. Is it like what an incredible image of God when you think about it that that is who he is? Have you ever seen a gardener at work? And I don't mean someone like me who FaceTimes my sister to say, is this weed or flower when I'm trying to do a bit of gardening? I don't know if you will connect with that. I'm currently living at Sam and Carol is trying to look after Sam's garden and I don't think I've done a very good job. (laughs) But that is what my gardening experience has been like. But a true gardener, someone who actually knows the land is a cultivator of life. Someone who actually, everything they do is actually for life. It's to tend the land. They know the seasons of the plants, they know what the plants need, they know the maturity, the stages that the plants are at. And sometimes it can be so gentle and delicate as a gardener just carefully looks after the plants that they are um, in care of. And sometimes it can be brutal. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you've ever watched a gardener at work. They hack off things. I've watched gardeners at work and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you are killing that thing. And actually, it's all for more life. A true gardener knows what they're doing. And as I say, I'm not the person to come to when it talks about gardening, but I've done a bit of reading around what being a vine dresser is, and it in no way qualifies me to be entrusted with vines. (laughs) But I have learned a little, it just gives kind of depth to this passage, a bit of understanding around what Jesus was talking about when he says this. So here's some things that a gardener, a vine dresser is all about. A vine dresser, and as we listen to this, just connect it to what Jesus is saying. A vine dresser wants the vine to produce quality, healthy, fruitful crops. It is not only about the number of grapes, but the quality of the grapes. So fruitfulness is not simply referring to the amount of fruit produced, but the type of fruit, the richness and the depth of fruit. In fact, it can be more harmful to the vine if it It can be kept from reaching its full potential if there are too many low-quality grapes crowding the branches. So when it comes to pruning, this is all about removing damaged or cracked shoots, the old dead wood that can become infected and begin to sap the energy from the branches and spread through. Pruning is all about cutting back the branches that are bearing fruit to keep these branches close to the vine so that they can keep on producing grapes year after year after year after year. And there's a fine balance in pruning, I have learned. Understanding the season, the maturity of the branches. If it's under-pruned, all its energy will go into just these weak, spindly little shoots that have fruits that struggle to ripen. But if it's over-pruned, it can make the branches thick, making pruning really difficult for the next season. A good vine dresser knows his vine and knows his branches. A lot of pruning is actually about setting the vine up for the next season. It's about preparation. So the Father is the gardener and we are the branches. We're not the vine. None of us are. We may love one another well. We may support each other and encourage each other. None of us are the true source of life and love for each other. We're all the branches. (laughs) So what does this mean for us? For any of us that have chosen or are choosing... To become part of God's people, his family part of this ancient promise that he made that there would be a people on earth so filled with the presence of God that the way they live their lives is like a fruitful vineyard that is a blessing for the nations. As I was thinking and praying about today, I was asking God, as I always do, like, God, what do you want to speak to us? Like I said, there's so much in this passage. We want to understand your word, but we also want to live it. Like, what do you want to say to us today? And I was reminded when we headed into our summer retreat, um, I had just this, like, image, these verses on my mind and these, this phrase, trust the hands of the gardener. And then this word just return, just kept coming back to me. Return. To return is to come back. And I think you can return to a place that you've never been. And I may have been inspired by this thought from John Denver, who was the favorite singer of my dad when I was growing up. So we listened to his songs all the time. Um, But one of the lines in one of his songs, Rocky Mountain High says, he was born in the summer of his 27th year, coming home to a place he'd never been before. And I guess I just want to throw out that today I... I guess my prayer is that we would have space to maybe just actually consider returning. For some of us, it might be about returning to a love that we once knew, a love with Jesus that we once knew, a life of faith that we once knew, a way that we lived, that we are missing somehow, even though we can't name it, a power that we once knew, a returning to his presence. And for some of us, Wherever we may find ourselves today, I invite you on behalf of Jesus to come home to a place you've never been, to come home to his presence. <clears throat> How does Jesus talk about this? One of the words that comes up over and over and over again in this passage is remain. Remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. And it's this word that can also be, we can also say, abide. It has this sense of dwelling, of continuing in, of making home. And he says, remain in me as I remain in you. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Remain in the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so if Jesus is the vine and where the branches, there's just three questions that we're going to consider. Why do, we, why do we remain? How do we remain? And what does it mean? And there's three words to just hang our responses to these um, questions off. And I don't normally do this, but there are three words that all begin with R. So there we go. We can. Uh, I feel like maybe I've become a true speaker. <laughs> but these three words are... <coughs> Receive, reorient, and remove. Words that I think we can just hang some responses off today. Why does Jesus tell us to abide and remain in him, to receive from him? To receive the life that bears fruitfulness and joy. This is what a branch does. It receives from the tree and then it produces whatever fruit it is gonna produce, magnolia, apples, plums, whatever it might be. If you have ever seen an orchard, none of us have ever seen an orchard where every branch is on its own trying to produce fruit. I can see the tree over there. I am near the tree, but I am gonna do this on my own. I am gonna produce a brilliant, fruitful plum. Like that's not how a branch works. It's a stupid example, but we know it. And yet how many of us can live our lives like that, genuinely I know I can at times like if I actually honestly asked myself the question I would say that's ridiculous of course we're not meant to live like this and then I go out and try and do things in my own strength try and work things out on my own try and live as if I just need to be good I just need to do the right things I think Jesus is asking us to actually reflect and to think about returning to receive from him to actually think about how we are living our lives. Jesus is—he literally is not interested in us doing this on his own. He's literally like, stop it. <laughs> it's not the way that he has invited us to live. It's not about impressing me. It's not about trying to do all this for me and not with me. It's not about you trying to work this all out on your own. You never will. I'm not interested in just a big one-time flashback harvest that looks good for one year and then dies. He's about, this is about who you are. This is about your way of life. This is about how you understand yourself, how you understand yourself within the context of what you're living in. I know I've told this story before, but it just, I was reminded of, as I was praying for this a number of years ago, I was living in a, the, a part of a city where I'd never encountered such evil. Um, I was with people and I was hearing stories of people who experienced exploitation and violence on a, on a level that I had personally never seen or known before. And as I heard their stories and as I saw what was happening, I became so overwhelmed by this. I couldn't sleep. I was so burdened. I was asking questions of God, like, where are you in this? I was trying to kind of meet needs and understand what was going on. And I was just becoming like paralyzed and overburdened and trapped in fear, basically. And then some people paid for us to go to Tulsa. And some friends of a friend I was with, um, and one of the ladies there actually paid for us to have a full body massage Um, and up to this point I'd never had a full body massage. I was actually, uh, this sounds awful, but I was a bit disappointed because I wanted a manicure, (laughs) Um, but she paid, I was so grateful she went for the massage. Um, She paid for us and um, we were having, I was having this massage and I was lying on the table and it was so gorgeous. I was like, why have I never had one of these before? But it was amazing, but then this lady who was giving me the massage got to my shoulders and as she was massaging my shoulders, she said, Said to me, You're carrying what is not yours to carry. You were made to carry joy. And as she said it, something within me just broke. And you know, when your head's in the hole of the massage table. And I was in the hall, and I I lit I'm not a loud crier, but I just I just wept like and I just was crying. It, if, when you're like that, it's all coming out, there's nowhere for it to go. So I was basically a mess, this poor lady, and I came out a friend that I was with, she was like, wasn't that amazing? And then she'd heard me weeping. I was like, oh and I basically just cried all day. <laughs> but it changed the way I live. It actually changed the way that I live. We are not meant to carry these burdens, these things that we experience. We're not meant to do all of this on our own. Yes, we're meant to come alongside one another. Yes, we're meant to be compassionate and empathetic. Yes, we're meant to find ourselves in places of darkness, to be a flourishing vineyard in those places. But as we listen, as as we carry the burdens of one another, we carry them to Jesus. He says to me, bring them to me and I'll give you rest. We are not meant to carry them. We are meant to carry joy. Return to me, receive from me, said Jesus. Live this life with me. Following him is about his presence with us. His presence healing, forgiving, restoring. His presence through the Holy Spirit giving us the power to live this life that we have been given. Everything flows out from here. I'm sure we all know amazing people who are kind and sacrificial and generous and good. Of no faiths and different faiths, I surely do know some. <laughs> it's not about being good. It's about living life with him. And then we become this fruitful vine. He will always be the vine that never withers and grow old. He will be our eternal source of life. So how do we receive? How do we abide? Well, this word reorient means to, I had a picture and I forgot to put it on. That's why there's nothing on the screen. This word reorient means to find one's position again in one's context. And sometimes there comes a time when we actually just need to stop and look at our lives and actually make some assessments of it and actually find ourselves again within the context of it. How am I living my life? Because to abide in the vine is actually, we receive the life of Jesus and then we live the way that he lived. That's what it is to abide in him, to live the way that Jesus lived. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. And this isn't some weird threat to us. Jesus, what were the two greatest commandments that we can think of? Jesus himself said, Every command can be summed up in these Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor, love others as you love yourself. These are the commands that Jesus oriented his life around, the way that he lived his life. He lived his life having time alone with the Father. He lived his life in prayer. He lived his life in community with friends at weddings and dinner parties. He lived his life seeking out and coming close and touching those who were ostracized. He lived his life through the power of the Holy Spirit, healing and restoring people. He lived his life worshiping God. He lived his life And being this example to us is a way that we can live. And these aren't rules that we have to follow. Jesus says we're not his servants that are given rules. We're his friends that are given a way of life. He's made it all known to us. This is life. He's taught us to be these kind, gentle, patient, forgiving, hopeful, good, peacemaking, fearless followers of his. That lay down our lives for the sake of his kingdom loving him and loving others. I don't think God ever stops loving us. He's gracious, as Hannah's already said this morning. He's gracious and compassionate. But if we want to know the life of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, we actually need to live the way that he lived. This is where it connects. And I don't mean that we all move to Jerusalem and become ancient rabbis and wander around. But Within the context of our own lives, actually have a look. And if we want to live as part of this vineyard, look at what we're connected to. Look at where we are receiving from. Think about where we might need to reorient ourselves. And what happens when we abide? Well... Sorry to tell us, friends, (laughs) we're pruned. (laughs) I wish it was some other way, I really do. But the reality is that this is what happens to the vine. We are pruned and to prune is to remove, to remove. Jesus says, his father is the gardener. And what does the gardener do? He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I know this might quite sound harsh. There's different thoughts around this. Some would say this was Israel, that actually life needs to be found in Jesus. Some would say that this image of being cut off is actually about lifting up so that there can be more fruit born. But the truth is that God prunes in love. He prunes. If I went around this room and I said, do you want to be fruitful? Do you want your life to count for something? Do you want to contribute? Do you want to know that your life here mattered? My guess is if I asked us to raise our hands, we all would. Do you you wanna know a sense of purpose and meaning? We'd all put up our hands and say, yes, we're created to contribute. This longing that we have to matter for our lives to count is good. It's God given. Well, this is what we were made for. It. When God created earth, he created this garden and gave it to Adam and Eve. And he didn't say that creation was perfect, as in finished and complete. He said it was good. And then he invited humanity to join him in continuing it, to actually join him. And he actually said, go multiply everything that I'm doing, carry on working here and be fruitful. Join me in finding purpose and belonging and meaning here and creativity. John 15 is a promise. "Remain in me and you will be fruitful. Remain in me and you will find purpose and meaning and belonging. But this promise of fruitfulness cannot bypass pruning. I wish it could. <laughs> I wish it could. And I just want to say that suffering is not pruning. Death and sickness and injustice is, I don't think is pruning. We may be pruned as we go through these experiences, but I don't believe that they are the tools that God uses to prune us. But pruning can still be painful. It could feel amazing. (laughs) It could feel so freeing. Or there might be times if maybe you feel like you're being pruned, there's moments of doubt, of wondering where God is, of wondering what's happening, of wondering what's going on, of questioning ourselves. It can be painful. There can be challenges. But it is the process of entrusting God to remove from our lives whatever may be hindering a continuation of life. It may be specific things that we know we've been holding on to, that we've been carrying, sometimes out of stubbornness and sometimes because they've just become a bit of a comfortable part of us. Maybe it's refusing to forgive someone or jealousy or carrying disappointment or pride or a love of money or habits that continually feed lust, these things that are weighing our branch down, (laughs) Things that are wasting our energy, using our energy and our resources, or maybe they're things that are in and of themselves. They actually aren't bad, but they're just not meant for us anymore. They were for a season gone. And God is like, actually, if we're going to move into this next season, we're going to have to remove some things so that you can continue to bear fruit. There's this image that we're given in the Psalms and Isaiah, that we can be like trees that bear fruit in every season. (coughs) Excuse me. Sometimes we may know what God is pruning, and sometimes (laughs) he can prune the unexpected. We might not have known what we were holding on to. But it's about trusting, holding our lives with an open hand. Jackie Hill Perry has said something that stuck with me. She says, God is holy, and if God is holy, then he can't sin. And if he can't sin, then he can't sin against me. And if he can't sin against me, then he is the most trustworthy being ever. And I think this image of when it comes to pruning, to trust him, to trust that in the hands of the gardener, everything can be oriented to fruitfulness. Our pain, our grief, our seasons of not understanding, our loss, our hopes, or our dreams, all of it in the hand of the gardener can continue to bear fruit in our lives. He has good intention, a pursuit of life, to cultivate fruitfulness. And I just want to finish, I wonder if the band would like to come up. Thank you so much, friends. By saying that the night that Jesus spoke these words, when he said that I am the true vine, it was actually the night before he was betrayed. Well, it was the night he was he was betrayed and died so Jesus had gathered his disciples a couple of days before this he'd come into Jerusalem people had cheered his disciples were talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom and then Jesus spends his last night with them at a table and he washes their feet and he says this is how I want you to live to serve and love one another and then they have the last supper together and then they leave that room and they make their way towards Gethsemane to the point where he will be um, betrayed And it was on the way there that Jesus says this to them, guys, I'm the true vine. (laughs) I'm the true vine. They wouldn't understand what was going to happen over the next three days. But Jesus was killed and he came back to life again and overcame death once for all. And I just think we have this incredible image of what it looks like to actually lay down our lives, to actually count the cost of being a follower of his To understand that actually when he says, even though it was a night of death, he says, I am life. (laughs) And to actually trust him with that. And as we worship and as we continue to gather this morning, I just invite us to reflect on this invite of Jesus. To trust him. To maybe think about where we might need to come back and receive from him. Return to receive. To actually return to reorient our lives to live the way that he lived and to actually come back and allow him to remove from our life whatever it may be, whatever we might need to let die so that we can know life in all its fullness. Shall we stand as we, we will worship and pray together?